patrons of Elite Rugby Banter. I hope all of you are patrons because that's how Phil is busy funding his way through uh, Japan. Um, and if we run out of money, he's going to run out of food, and that would be a terrible, terrible thing. Um, sorry that we've gone a bit quiet. Uh, as I said, Phil's run away, and that's led our, our statistic generator um, machine being a bit light. But in his absence, we have pull, pulled in Ben, um, who's making his debut on the Stats Attack podcast. So, Ben, welcome. How are things? Good. Yeah, yeah. You guys are you guys are really scraping the barrel at the moment, getting getting me to come come weigh in on stats. But no, I'm good. Um, my my baby took his first steps today, actually. So it was oh, quite, a, quite a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was I was happy because I was I was here. Like obviously, I'm not always here because I got to work and stuff. So yeah, I was pretty I was pretty happy. Yeah. As I said, did you manage to get it on camera? Is this gonna go into the scrapbook immediately? No, it, we didn't get it on camera because, you know, we don't constantly pull the child. Well, that, that sounds gets, like a failure of modern parenting, to be honest. Yeah, he gets filmed. I was, I was actually, I reckon before he turned one month old, he had more photos taken of him, of him than my grandfather had as, in, in his entire 85 years of life. Like it's. <laughs> That's probably no, very no, true. <laughs> yeah, okay. can, can I get some stats on that? Count all eight photos of my grandfather and be like, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you've already delivered on, on what, uh, as I said, pre, pre-show, that I think you're going to definitely up the banter quotient on, on the stats episode, which is, which is good. But I think your analytical tax background will hopefully you know, lead us to generating some good um, insights as well. The topic of discussion today is something that's come under quite widely discussed in the last few days since World Rugby released a statement saying that um, we've only won one game out of Garces, the Springboks, and New Zealand have won 19 out of 20 games under Nigel Did did World Rugby release that? I feel like it was them, yeah. Why would they they release that? That's that's just causing shit, really. Like... (laughs) I mean, are World Rugby known for not causing shit, though? I mean, they're quite happy to, like, lambaste referees after two weekends of good performances publicly. I mean, they're, they're not against causing shit storms when there aren't necessarily one there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you hear, you hear a lot of, like... But also, like, I feel sometimes World Rugby gets, like, attributed stuff they didn't actually do. Like, um, remember there was that whole thing, like, World Rugby, like, issued an apology or something to, I think it was Hansen or Checker or someone, and, like, no matter how far I look back, I could never actually find the apology, it was just, yeah, basically, like, it, was like, it, it was like tweets quoting tweets, quoting, <laughs> like, articles that say what should happen, and, like, I don't know, yeah, like, it's... It seems that people often quote stuff that happened behind doors. I mean, I know that happened with Schmidt after the Japan game where he said, you know, World Rugby apologized to me, you know, in a meeting. And then that, you know, becomes a headline, which kind of World Rugby gets embroiled in, which, you know, they haven't made anything public about that. So, um, no. who knows? No, but... you, you, everyone knows in the corporate world, you never apologize. <laughs> you, need, you need to go teach them some basic business lessons then. <laughs> you know, like uh, today uh, I accidentally, so, so you know, I don't know if this happens in your line of work, but someone will send an email and you'll sort of like write on their email in like a different text. Yeah, yeah. And then, so what I did is uh, he sent the email, I wrote on his email 
and then I just sent it, but I didn't put anything in my email. So it was just like, yeah. you know, the top email was just like blank, yeah, you know, yeah. like kind of understandable mistake. And then I was like, oh fuck, now I have to, now I have to send a, an email to say, oh shit, my bad. I forgot to include any text and I'm like, I'm not being an asshole. I just forgot kind of thing. Yeah. But then I, then I had to try, try like word that without saying sorry. Because you, know, you never yeah. say sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, back back to the the, the matter very very quickly. Um, the stat about the All Blacks winning 19 out of 20 under Nigel Owens is seems very one-sided. But if one considers that All Blacks win 19 out of 20 games in general, then it's maybe not so skewed. Where, however, the one out of 10 winning percentage under Garcia that was quoted by either World Rugby US or Rugby Magazine. Um, is a lot lower than our average. Um, <laughs> maybe and... maybe it was quoted by Gosses himself. Yes, <laughs> uh, I am very proud of this. Uh, I do not let the South Africans win. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I found a second source from uh, <laughs> a, a Sport24, which suggests that actually we've won four out of 14 games underneath um, Gosses. Yeah, but, but was it the last? That's the problem. That's the problem with stats. That I'm guessing they just chose the last 10. Because that suited, because that suited have, their, have, their have shot. Lost the, lost the last ten out of uh, under Garces. We won the first two against Australia, Scotland. Then we played New Zealand, we lost, and then we played Italy and won. And then the next ten after that, from 2015 against New Zealand all the way through to New Zealand um, in Yokohama in the opening game of the World Cup, we've lost uh, nine out of ten. But yeah, six out of those ten losses were against New Zealand. So that does kind of explain a little bit why. The, the win-loss ratio is so skewed. Um, you know, if you're playing a, a disproportionate amount of games under the periphery against the best team in the world, then you're more likely to come away with a lower win ratio. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a small argument against there being biased from Garces. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. But I also noticed in... I guess maybe that's the way. Like, South Africa doesn't really... South Africa is a competitive team. But in the, the, actual, the actual physical... Um, the actual results of of all those games was actually very close. Like the average margin was like two or three points. Yeah, there's only a couple of blowouts, which was New Zealand um, against us in Durban, where they smashed us 57-15. Let's not talk about that. And uh, when we lost England at the end of the 16, so that was fairly young. So pretty much everything against that was very, very close. Um, even our games against New Zealand. Our loss has been 14-10, 2017, 2018, and yeah, then there was a blowout, 25-24, that was the Cape Town test, um, 2017, and then even the opening game this year. That's you know, the only other one that's been out, out by more than one score. And even that game was a lot closer than the scoreline suggested. So, but but, but but maybe maybe that's why we, we kind of get the impression that Garces has it out for us, because he happens to be the ref when you narrowly lose. And obviously, when you when you narrowly lose, then you sort of, you know, then the the what ifs are suddenly a lot more significant. If That's you're getting ham, if you're getting hammered by like, um, you know, whatever, when we were hammered 57, 57 nil or whatever it was, like yeah, no one, <laughs> yo, no no one's blaming the ref for that. But suddenly, when the margins become a lot smaller, it's easier to. You know, then you start looking right, for things to blame, and the ref is a an obvious kind of candidate. 
that, that's a very good point. That could um, suggest that because even the other games that we lost, it was in, you know the Japan loss in the last World Cup, our first loss against Argentina in Argentina, which was the that was 26-24. Uh, when we lost to Wales at the end of 2017, that's 24-22. So, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of very, very close losses um, under Garcia's. So, mm, and, then, yeah, and then, like, that's when you think, oh, this, yeah. this fucker has it um, out for us. <laughs> he definitely does. French refs in yeah. general. He hates <laughs> all, all South Africans. He, I don't know what happened. Maybe a South African girl broke up with him when he was young or something. <laughs> I wouldn't be too surprised. Maybe maybe we could do um, a top 14 analysis and see how he reps against teams like Montpellier, where there's a ton of South Africans, and see if he yeah, maybe underneath him as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, should, should we so should we chat about Owens Owens in New Zealand? Do do we have those matches? I couldn't find them. No. Um, well, presumably, if, if if New Zealand's playing, they were mostly one-sided affairs. I presume. And yeah, I mean, New Zealand kind of beats almost everybody, so I did. Yeah, well, well, New Zealand's winning percentage since Owens has been a ref is probably up around ninety-five percent. Exactly, so that doesn't strike me as being particularly dis- uh, disproportionate. Whereas ours for the last ten years has been <laughs> around sixty percent. Um, you know, which one out of ten is is quite a lot lower than. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that is significant. Yeah. Bring up Nigel Owens, so we can segue into the actual content for the for the episode, which is. Um, now that like, he's released the two refs for the semi-finals, Nigel Owens ref in the England-New Zealand game and Jerome Garcia's ref refing us against Wales, um, we're going to do a bit of an analysis about how teams kind of perform underneath the two refs, um, what type of stats come out, you know, do they favor, do winning teams favor possession or more kicking underneath a certain ref? Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what comes up. Um, we can start at, at, I mean, at the most basic, which is the possession stat, and that's the average winning position, winning team's position under Nigel Owens is 54%. Um, and under Garcia's, it's actually the other way around. The loser is generally the team with the higher um, territory. And this feeds into, in general, the losing teams under Garcia's are the ones that are ending up playing more rugby generally. Um, to be fair, the stats are a lot more even under Garcia's, but they kind of come out a little bit on top and say in terms of runs, um, meters carried is very, very uh, even. Passing, they're slightly up. Whereas on under on Nigel Owens, the attack the winning team is generally a lot favoured for attacking. There's a lot bigger gap in number of offloads, clean breaks, defensive sheets and but, um, but this 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 ties into like we we almost know, I'm sure I don't know if you said as many words, but Owens very much seems to favour a free flowing game. Like I think in his in his mind, like an entertaining game is a well ref game. Yeah, he definitely does strive to to allow the game to flow. He likes to get teams to play rugby rather than you know kind of blowing his whistle every two minutes, um, which is you know something that people accuse Garcés of. Um, and you can see that in the in the total attack stats. So Nigel Owens, you've got average of 900 meters a game. Jerome Garcés only 800, 794. So kind of in every single attacking column, Nigel Owens' games have more of them. There's more offloads, more carries. Just, just, just to just to disclose, this is based just on what they've ref this World Cup. Yes. Yeah. So, so we haven't obviously gone. You know, like we we ERB, we we half ask things. So, 
yo, th this isn't a, but I feel over, you know, it's, the, 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 gaps, are, the, gap, the gaps already exist, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's, you know, completely closed, closed case, but I would say this is somewhat significant. Yeah, I mean, and I think that the difference, the size of the difference is enough to suggest that there is significance, you know, it's not like 800 versus 805 meters, it's, you know, it's 11% difference, which is quite significant. Um, yeah, so even though it is a relatively small sample size, but yeah, I think it's the, the recency of it makes it more relevant. Do you know? Do you know what I would like, and I don't think we have, is the the ball in play stat for the refs. That that would be lovely. I would. I was thinking about how to get that, but I don't think that's something that is widely yeah. available. It's a good stat, actually. I like it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, and that's probably the most um, relevant stat if one wants to look at how free-flowing a game is, or how much it's being controlled by the ref's whistle, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, well, obviously, yeah. obviously the teams have something to do with it, but yeah. Yeah. yeah not, it, not, it, it, it also speaks to kind of how the ref plays advantage and stuff. Cause. Yeah. You know, so if you even have a kind of a drop of knock-ons, but the other team is managing to play advantage off it, you know, you'll get a bit more free-flowing. From um, what I remember, Owens, is, uh, he, his knock-on advantage is like one pass. Which, to be fair, it should be. Like, I don't think you, you know, I think teams that, you know, allow you to play the whole width of the field and gain 20 meters before it launches over is maybe a bit unfair. Like, no, yeah, I, I don't, I, I think they should almost, um, they should almost make it like meters. So, I say knock, when, knock on advantage, you can take five meters before advantage over penalty advantage, you can take whatever, 20 meters. Yeah, because I mean, off a of scrum, you're going to get five meters, the, the defending team has to be five meters back, so that makes sense. Um, you know, and effectively, the, the penalty for knocking it on is a scrum reset, so it should should be in light of that. Um, you know, you'll just get kind of possession. I, I, I often also wonder, like, how sort of discretionary it is as well, because, so say Springboks versus Japan, we are completely mangling their scrum. So, to Japan, they never want the advantage, basically. Because, you know, like, a scrum is such a risk now. Yeah. So they, they, they would rather kind of just, you know, just play yeah, until, even if, they, even if they're losing meters or whatever, like, they would rather not have the scrum. Yeah, rather than risk a penalty. Yeah. Scrum time. yeah. I, wonder, I wonder if teams put that into their thinking. I mean, I've definitely on Rugby 8 done that. You, know, you give away a knock and advance, you just kind of let them attack you for like three or four phases before you try and go for turnovers again. Just because yeah, it gives them a nice just, attacking just, Yeah, just, just, to, just to wait for the... <laughs> I wonder if it's ever an advantage, if a team's ever done that. Like, did, oh, I guess if you deliberately do it, then it's a penalty now. But just if your scrum is just completely dominant, you just knock the ball on on purpose. I mean, I think it's a it's a fine line. I've definitely seen scrum offs penalised for knocking it on to get the penalty from an advantage, and and then being penalised for that. But I'm, yeah, I'm I sure remember Farid Priya used to do like that, like deliberate, like when he wanted the penalty. Right, was it France or Hochart? Yeah. I mean, if it was Hochart, he probably learned it from Farid Priya, so it wouldn't be too yeah. far off. Um, um, what what are yeah, something else? Yeah. Sorry, just with kind of forcing a scrum is, sorry, it's something that kind of irks me a bit, 
is the you know like prop i would say props are probably the most sent off player weirdly i guess because they also get sent off in the scrums but often a prop well, gets sent off and then the team won't scrum straight away what they'll the prop gets sent off and then they'll you know they'll kick for touch or whatever and then sometimes it's like five or six minutes before they're forced to pull a flank yeah like and i you always wonder why as soon as you get that long arm and the props off you should just scrum straight away because you, you're definitely not going to lose that scrum yeah and you also get to take off from the mobile player of the opposition um, yeah, chances are normally if it's a seven-man scrum and it was the scrums were even and you're scrumming against seven now, you're probably going to get a penalty anyway. Yeah, so you're more like, and you'll get better advantage out of your one man up. Um, that yeah. makes sense. No, no, no. Guess, guess not everyone's not everyone's a thinker. Hey? <laughs> Give Russia a quick call and just let him know that you know if Wales get a yellow card, <clears> only um, a prop yellow card. A prop yellow card, yeah. Mm. Um, which might happen, who knows? Mm. We did find maybe out props are relatively small compared to our locks, even. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe repeated scrum infringements or something. No, well, I mean, pretty I feel like those are quite rare. I, think, I, I think I think I think that's a that's a fucking unfair yellow card. Like yeah, it's not your fault. Like your the, the rest of your pack's weak, basically. Yeah, no one's deliberately collapsing a scrum. Yeah. Like, it should be like a full substitution or something, maybe. But yeah, yellow is a bit harsh. They should let you bring on another prop. You guys are struggling. Play with three props. Maybe it'll help. <laughs> it's kind of a handicap system. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like golf. That's what New Zealand should only have to get to play with like nine players to make it fair. <laughs> That old, they could just start with the scoreboard a bit skew. It's just like, you know, like betting handicaps, but you actually have to just play with that. So New Zealand start with a 20-point deficit in every game. Do you, do you think they should start 20-0, or do you think they should start with negative 20 points? I think negative 20, because it would be great to see them lose, like, 15 minus 5. <laughs> 3 minus 5. Classic. <laughs> um... So should, should we should we have a look at the the penalty counts for these games? Because I realise we're actually not talking about a lot of stats, and I apologise. That must okay, be my I'm, fault. I'm letting, I'm letting it I'm letting it flow. Because I, yeah. I'm the I, I'm the ver, I'm the variable here, and suddenly there's no there's no stats being spoken about. But so I suddenly appear. have so much more sympathy for Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, it's fine. He won't do this. So should should we go through the the individual the individual penalty counts from the games? Yes. Or not the 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 team penalty counts. So I have Italy four penalties, Canada eleven penalties, and Canada got a yellow card, and that's under Owens. So that's yep. that's pretty. That's almost twice as many penalties. Um considered by Canada. Like, I don't know what their discipline... And I presume a fair amount of those were at the scrum. I don't know. You you said I, you had the scrum set? Yeah, Owen, they both... I mean, uh, these are tricky, but it suggests that they both what, what, got 100% of their scrums. Italy were 13 out of 13, and Canada were 4 out of 4. Oh. So okay. it would... Maybe not scrums. I feel like there haven't been that many scrum penalties this World Cup. 
Yeah, it is. It's not the it's not the flavor of the month. Yeah, because we've seen scrums getting reset three or four times, which is like it's unheard of in Super Rugby. And even when we're mangling guys, like I mean, we wrecked Japan a couple of times. Yeah, no, Barnes Barnes was taking the piss. To be honest, that was that was dangerous at some points that he was letting those scrums carry on. Yeah. Yeah, But anyway, found that a bit weird. But anyway, I mean, yeah. So so Italy dominated on the scoreboard that game and their their penalty count was significantly lower than Canada's. Then I have Japan five, Russia five penalties. Yeah. So that was pretty even. Um I suppose reflects maybe the, the territory stats. I mean the which was fifty percent. Possession was fifty fifty as well, yeah. Yeah. Um even though Japan did way more of the attacking. I mean they outplayed Russia 653 to 289 meters. Um, but yeah, five all there. And then in the England-Argentina game, also very even, eight all. Uh, obviously, the one the one red card. One very, to, very big penalty. Yeah, to Idiot Lavanini. Um, but yeah, and then even USA Tonga was quite a low penalty count, 6-3 in favor of the USA, who did uh, end up losing that game. Yes, yeah. Tonga won. Um, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to actually remember that game. Was it particularly free? F- because the three penalties from Tonga surprises me, to be honest. That does seem very weird. It seems very un-Tonga-like. Yeah, because they. I don't know. Like I don't really think they know the rules, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, obviously they they know Nigel Owens's interpretation of the law. Then finally, a very very interesting stat actually. Not just in the context of this, but in the context of everything. I have New Zealand on 13 penalties and Ireland on 6. 13 penalties and a yellow card, yeah. And a yellow card. And Ireland on 6 penalties. Yeah. And yet they got annihilated. Yeah, so... I don't really know... Because that, that's kind of the Irish game plan. Like, you grind until you force a penalty, then you kick up field. Then you grind yeah. until you force another penalty, then you kick up field. Which it seems like they obviously were doing well enough. But Yeah, so I kind of I'm kind of wondering what what actually went wrong with Ireland at that point that Yeah, because possession was fifty fifty, I see. Yeah, and the New Zealanders had a little bit more territory, but not significantly. Um Yeah, I'm trying to remember back to the game now, but I think I mean I just don't think they had much like I think every time they attacked, they just messed it up. Um, which, yeah, they do. Oh, uh, no, they just to me they they just lacked a bit of kind of potency. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. that that's basically the only game where Owens hasn't favoured the winning side in terms of penalties. But saying yeah. that, England, England, Argentina, and Russia, Russia, Japan were kind of a draw. Yeah. But in both in both yeah, kind of low count. But basically, Nigel Owens doesn't award many penalties. Average of um, 14-ish. And then then the average kind of differential between the teams is three. So that's not, that doesn't really show much. But I guess when you you consider there were two kind of penalty draws, if you want, in that, it does kind of, like he does seem to clearly favor one side when it's not a draw, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 
which is how things that aren't draws work. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember the, the word from stats. <laughs> Maybe a deviation or something. That yeah. is a key word. Um, whereas if we go across to Garcez's side, um, A, he awards a lot more uh, penalties in general and a lot fewer to the winning team. So New Zealand, South Africa, 4-9 in favor of New Zealand. Ireland, Russia, 6-10 in favor of Ireland and two yellow cards to Russia. Wales, Fiji, that was relatively easy, even, 9-10, but two yellow cards to each team. Um, and finally was England, Australia, which is again interesting is that the English team that won the semi-final, the quarter-final, conceded more penalties than the losing team. The same we're seeing in the uh, New Zealand game. I'm guessing it was the same in the South African game as well, actually. I don't think Japan gave away a penalty the whole first half. You can check very quickly. Yeah, actually, you can, ha you can have a look. I wouldn't be surprised if South Africa gave away more penalties than Japan. I feel like we got penalized a lot. Especially in the first half. But also, Oaks were doing stupid shit. Like, we're yeah. getting penalized for weird things like obstructive running and... Yeah, it was, it, was a bit of, it was such a messy first game, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was eight all actually. Oh. Yeah, but eight, eight all, considering I remember three scrum penalties at least going South Africa's way. Yeah, I mean they. Uh, oh, Japan got a scrum penalty as well. Now I'm remembering that when fucking There's bombed something did, weird with these scrums because they're suggesting that Japan scrummed at eight out of nine. They're obviously discounting penalties. That doesn't well, make sense. Yeah, because they definitely lost two scrums. Yeah. Um, anyway, and Wales, France, just while we're talking, um, France conceded eight penalties, the red card, obviously, and Wales conceded six. Okay, so yeah, so, it, does so... seem, it does seem like the England-Australia game and the New Zealand-Ireland uh, game, which happened to be the two most dominant performances, actually had higher um, penalties conceded by the winning team. Maybe they're just the smart teams that just know how to co concede penalties instead of conceding points. Yeah, well, there's, there's often like they, talk, they, they talk about sort of where you concede penalties. Yeah. To you sort of... Attack rather than concede tries. Yeah, well, obviously. No, but Ireland just scored two... Oh, did Ireland... No, they just... No, Ireland scored two tries. They... Did they kick a penalty? No, they got a penalty try from Matt Todd, Todd diving from yeah. the hole, and then they got that weird one where Ringrose kind of just stepped. Uh, yeah, it just went straight north. through. Was it Ringrose yeah. or was it the other center? I can't tell the difference. I can't even remember that guy's name. Whatever, he's out of the World uh, Cup. Henshaw. Yeah, Henshaw. I was going to say Henderson, yeah. but he's their flank lock. Yeah, we don't we don't really need to remember. Yeah. It was Henshaw, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, so then so that's uh so then we have Okay, no what what are, where are we are now actually. Yeah, so so basically I don't really know what, what what this means, like so we want Garcia to give us more penalties. I mean 
I think it's. I think Garcia is going to get more penalties regardless. I think he's a more penalty pro. Oh, 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 so sorry, sorry. He so he averages fifteen, a bit more than fifteen penalties a game. Yeah. Um, which is good and bad because we and Wales both like to kick penalties. So if he gives us both penalties and we both got pretty decent flaws that can kick goals. Um, so no, no, Polo's kicking, Polo's kicking at like 62% or something. Traditional Pollard? No, okay, not World Cup Pollard. But I hope, really, really hope Pollard find, finds his kicking boots. To be fair, a couple of his <laughs> conversions last week were quite wide, but he did miss that one sitter in front. Um, no. The misses he has had have been fairly costly, like that one against New Zealand. Um, but yeah, if he can sort his kicking out, we should be able to profit from penalties. Maybe that's that's some justification for bringing France down in at fullback, because if we can get Wells to commit penalties, you know, anywhere in our 60s or anywhere within 60 meters of their try line, we can start taking points. Um, yeah, but Wales are generally a pretty clean team. Yeah, they are very structured, very low error rate uh, type team. I don't think especially, we're going to beat them by relying on penalties necessarily. Yeah. Especially if they ditch, what's his name, Navidi. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have to because he's injured. But yeah, well, I mean, I mean, because he he sort of he plays to the ball a bit, so he's probably kind of him going yeah. has probably already saved you two penalties or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No. So yeah, I definitely I think we're gonna have to find ways to to get around them rather than. Um, yeah, relying on penalties necessarily. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think we're going to be able to kick ourselves to victory, to be honest. Yeah. Um, what is interesting I, is if you just look I, I don't know. I don't know if this game is going to be going to be a great advert for the sport, to be honest. I don't think Springbok Wales games ever are. It's two relatively dour teams. <laughs> exactly. In a weird way, they kind of play quite similarly to us, which is fairly structured. Do, do, you think, do you think this is this is why this is why I hate Wales because I can't hate the Springboks? <laughs> I think we might have just solved it. Is that? <laughs> oh God! It's... That's the closest thing to Springboks apart from the Springboks, and you just want to hate the Springboks, but you can't. Yeah, I want to hate the Springboks, but I can't because I support them. Yeah, I mean, this I don't know like... how much of a love-hate relationship do you think do you feel you have with the Springboks? I, I, I honestly think I'm going to die watching a Springbok game. Well, I see how worked up you get on the pod. I can't imagine how worked up you get up get watching an actual game. Uh, no, I, I was watching some. I was watching the Springbok game with my mother-in-law. And she was like, Chief is being calmed down. I'm like, seriously, if, I, if I'm still like this when I'm 50 years old, my heart's not going to be able to take it. Like, I'm, I'm literally going to die. The Springboks are going to kill me. There are worse ways to go, though. You know, at least die doing something you love. Well, what if the fuckers lose and I die? So you can just make sure that you, they, uh, a call goes through immediately saying, someone's just died watching you, so you better win it for him. Um, yeah, <laughs> at half time. They, 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 could have a, they could have like a little glass case, break in case of Ben dying, and it would be like a little inspirational message and stuff, and then they could go on and win the game. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I don't want to get ahead of the gun here, but please don't sacrifice yourself next weekend, at least. Um, or if you are going to sacrifice, wait till next weekend, not this one. Um, I feel like, you know, dying to give us a World Cup title is maybe not the worst time. Uh, but yeah, that being said, let's, let's hope we can do that without, you know, your assistance in that in that way. Yeah, I, I, I feel 
we have the potential to win the World Cup without me dying. Oh, I would agree with that, yeah. I, I think it's. I don't think it relies solely on on that. Um... Yeah, like I, I don't. I don't want people blaming me. Like if we don't win, though, I was like, <laughs> oh fuck, Ben didn't take one for the team. Hey, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I think I think for this one we can probably um, leave it leave the responsibilities in the team's hands. Maybe you know in the, in the next one, twenty twenty. Yeah. Also, like like I, I've just had a kid. Like I can't die. Oh, that would be responsible because he, I mean, he's going to be the South African James Lowe. So it's actually in the country's best long-term interests for you to give this child as much um, encouragement as actually, you can. I haven't, so, I haven't sorted out his South African passport yet, so he might just be the Mauritian James Lowe. I feel like that has the potential for him to be more legendary, if anything. Yeah, Although, he could be. if he James Lowe, then South Africa is going to get accused of not having a, a clean foreign sl- uh, sheet again. He's basically going to be the beast of the Springboks in the next generation. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, I can't do foreign that. Well, he, he could potentially, because his mom, my wife, is British, as well as Mauritian. So he could go play for England, I guess. Okay, well, they, they have no problem with foreigners. So, like, he'll slide you'll, right um, I'll ch- change his surname to Vinny Lange or something, and then he'll fit, you know, one of the great British surnames. <laughs> Vinny Lange is a great chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is there anything else we're feeling? I feel like we, we, we're skirting around the topic somewhat, but is there any kind of salient closing points you want to bring up, apart from the fact that just every single stat suggests that a Nigel Owens game is better than a Bosses game. There's more tackles, more runs, more kicks, more ev- just there's more of everything. So uh, Nigel Owens definitely does just let more than everything except penalties. Um, he definitely does let a game play a lot more. Yeah, but uh, 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 does that make him a good ref? It makes probably a more enjoyable ref to watch. Which is like that's sort of the purpose, though. But at the same time, like, because do do we kind of resent Gosses because he actually blows to the letter of the law? I don't think he does, though. I think he's got like four rules that he knows, and he blows the hell out of those four, and just ignores a lot of other rules, like where the offside line is at a ruck and how you're allowed to come in from the side. You're like coming in from the side, no one's ref at this tournament. By certain rules, rather than he um, applies all rules. I think the rules he does apply, he's probably quite strict on, but then it's more the selective nature of them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, the, the ruck's going to need some cleaning up in the next few years, though, because it's, it's getting a bit stupid, actually. Yeah, no, I, but the thing is, how long have we been saying that? I mean... Like every year or two, there's you know more new experimental law variations um, that they bring out. Um, oh, 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 something. How many yellow? Because Wales, Fiji. So Gosses is given six yellows and no reds. Eh? Yeah, and Owens is given two yellows, one red. Two yellow, one red. And that red was yeah. unavoidable, I mean, really. Pretty, yeah, pretty clear cut. Yeah. Do you think a card will play a part in either game? 
I mean, I don't think that's the worst bet one could make. I mean, I, I, mean, yeah, well, like I think I think that I think there've been twenty yellow cards this World Cup and eight red cards, and it, it's the highest count for both in any World Cup. Yeah. So I mean, I think at that rate, I think, the, and, and I think that the previous the previous highest red cards at World Cup was like four or five. Yeah. I mean, look, with, with the launch changes, it, ha- it is going to be more likely um, for red cards to occur just because the triggers are so much clearer. Yeah, I, I guess um, in like 95, the only way you could give a red was basically punching. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, now the fact that any contact to the head is almost a red card, like, it's just a lot easier for a ref to, to justify it. Um, and kind of, well, not even justify it, just he has to make that call. Um, Whereas in the past, yeah, it, it, there was A, a lot more discretion involved, and B, just a lot fewer offences that were red, red card worthy, I suppose. Yeah. Um, do you know, who are the TMOs? I know I know Ben Skeen's the South African game one. Yeah. Uh, England, New Zealand has uh, Maurice Jonker. He's also not exactly... Yeah, he's not great. He's a bit of a, he's a, he's a, bit of a chick-chick TMO. Yeah. Um, ah. But there, there, there seems to have been a bit of a directive that the teamers must calm down here. Huh? I mean, I would, I would hope so because it was kind of getting a bit excessive, um, interfering, and and far more with far more certainty than they necessarily needed. Like they would refer a decision and be like, "This is I'm going to show you as this," rather than being like there might have been an instance. You know, they kind of weren't allowing. Uh, the ref to make a decision. They were kind of trying to steer him very clearly towards an outcome. I think that's why, like, someone like, maybe that is why Wayne Barnes just didn't opt to talk to the team at all, because he was like, I don't want my mind made up for me. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. But at the same time, it's tricky without having access to replays. Like, there were definitely certain instances that should have been TMO'd at the least. Really, really yeah, I'm, I'm glad Beast didn't because I think that would have been a red card. I mean, I still think it was yellow, but... Just... It should have been TMO'd. The, the, the weird high tackle thing around the pimpy in the air should have been TMO'd. I'm not saying no, that, saying that, 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 what's it, like, I don't know. No one's really mentioned this to me, but to me, Matsushima just kept on fouling my pimpy. Yeah, no, he got hard played quite a few times. Um, like, and, he, and he got and blocked as well a few, but like hard block. Like, obviously Japan saw good. that as like a, as a, yeah. as an, as an avenue to. They knew we were going to ch- chase our box kicks hard, so they were very. They were, had like three blockers at every box kick. That's why we couldn't contest for the ball because our guys couldn't get to the jumper most of the time. So I, don't, I, I don't mind that to be honest. I think you should be allowed to block within reason yeah i mean look again they were being smart about it. they weren't changing the line or anything that's why no one blew it but um it was yeah it was a very good tactical play from them so hopefully teams haven't noticed it too much but i think if we've picked it up i'm sure um eddie jones and gatland and hansen will have noticed it i hope we change it up now i hope i hope we actually play a kind of a different a different game plan Especially with staying at 15, like, I don't see much logic in that, that sort of box kicking. Yeah, I think I think that box kicking was done, hopefully, specifically for Japan. I think maybe in a, in a different opposition, there'll be different extents of it. 
Um, but I, I do think our game plan is fairly built around giving the opposition the ball, pressuring them, rather than you know free-flowing rugby. I, I mean, that's not the way we play the game. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I think we, we probably have to just accept that it's going to be a bit... Um, but you know at the same time if it's effective i don't find too much like i do enjoy watching our guys just tackle everything in front of them into oblivion to to me do you know that scrum half box kick it's just not because the say say you you put it up there and and what's your um what do you think your ball retention chances are if you're the ones kicking 25 percent yeah, I was going to say 25-30%. But then, Which you I catch it, but because, but because to make it a box kick contestable, because you obviously you can't get as high as a kick, as a proper up and under, you have to, it has to go quite short. You know, so yeah. you can only really, a contestable box kick can't be more than, say, 25 meters, eh? Yeah, that's, that's, Probably about spot on. That's probably the the upper limit. And then, but in that time, the team can get back and set their defensive line. Well, I think that's the point: is that they've got to retreat, and they're less likely to have a nice, clean, uh, set up line. Yeah, but, um, but so to, to me, two goals so, so either get the ball in an unstructured position, or they get the ball having had to retreat a first at twenty-five meters, and then. You know, get back even further to get into an attacking shape, yeah, then, uh, and now they're twenty meters back. Um, to me, to me, they just have one, one, one slow ruck ball, and then they're back to where they want to be. Well, they'll be twenty meters back, but with possession, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, it, it, no. More of a territory-based thing is, I think. I mean, Squidge summarized it in saying that you attack, you attack, you attack, you don't get any fruit, so then you'd be like, cool, we're just going to make you play with it, but from further away from our try line, and back your defense to be able to get a turnover. And then you get the ball again, you try, 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 doesn't work, you move another 10, 20 meters up the field. Like, um, It is fairly simplistic, or that's a fairly simplistic summary of it, but I don't think it's too far from the truth. It's basically like, and I think a lot of teams no, are, are coming that if you're not getting through um, the defense within, I think it's like three phases or something, your chances of getting through eventually is very, very low. You don't see teams getting up past 5, 10, 15 phases unless they're on the try line. Um, teams just realize that once it's slowed down enough and there's a, that, that defensive line set, it's very, very difficult to break through. Um, you know, so unless you do something weird like a box kick, or you've got to, you've got to try and break up that defensive pattern somehow. Yeah, and I, I guess and, you... And yeah. the way you do that is like pressuring them into a turnover off defense um and then you know when they're transitioning from attack to defense there's there's holes hopefully um, and you can attack them off that i think that's generally the thinking okay so does that does that favor the way goss is refs i i don't know i don't really have an answer to that because <laughs> it's weird because both teams basically i think we're going to see two very similar game plans I th yeah, I think that'll so, be so, more kicking, so, kicking, which is something I think we should do more of. But yeah, I think it'll be so, similar so, strategies. So whatever whatever biases or whatever Gosses has towards a style of play, they should theoretically cancel each other out. I agree. I mean, our biggest worry, our biggest issue with Gosses in the last game that he refed us, which was against New Zealand, was that they were 
adapting to his interpretation of the rocks that we just weren't. So they were just but, messing up but, our board every yeah, single because, because to, to, me the, to me, the issue with, our issue with Garcia's in the last game wasn't too many penalties. It was too few. Yeah, he needed to blow the new All Blacks way more. Yeah. But then this... Um, okay, so so this, this to me, I, I don't think Garcia's is relevant in the South Africa-Wales game because of the, the conflicting styles. Uh, because of the the similar relax. styles. I think it's more just about who handles his interpretation of rucks best. Because I think generally that's where he's the worst. Yeah, he was, and and we we aren't we aren't very adaptive. That's that's an issue I have. And we're not that cheaty either, in a weird way. Like we kind of stick to the rules, even though we realize that the other team's breaking them. <laughs> yeah, like, we we're not we're not we're not clever enough, basically. Yeah. Or okay. Just, okay. I mean. Everything. We're just we're too nice. <laughs> yeah. So 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 our our general message would be, don't panic about Garcia's. Yeah, we don't think, think you'll be as much of a factor as we think. I, 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 I also think in a low scoring game, which I think this is never to be, is going to be. Teams are going to be less risky at the breakdown. Because. You you don't want to risk the penalty because if the game's going to be decided by three points, you don't want to be the one who gives away those three points. Yeah, and especially Wales, because I mean, as it's widely said, we've got by far the best lineup in the competition in terms of ball retention, but also steals. So they're not going to want us to get territory off lineouts because that's going to just be free ball for us. Um, and even if they're attacking off penalties, we're going to have a fairly decent start, chance of taking it back. Um, so yeah, they definitely are not going to want to concede. Um, whether Stain's playing or not is obviously going to add a separate dimension. But I think discipline will be very, very key. So hopefully that means teams don't infringe at ruck time, and hopefully that plays into our hands. Yeah, well, hopefully it means teams kind of play it clean at ruck time, which I think will play into our hands because hopefully exactly. it means the the interpretation won't actually need to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So we'll see. <laughs> Although but... I don't feel like the most street smart adaptive team i feel like they're pretty structured so hopefully they're not you know too on it when it comes to that either the same way new zealand is so we'll yeah see. okay but on the, on the other hand new zealand yeah. england is a conflict of styles and i think nigel owens style definitely favors new zealand he likes yeah, the open and, game yeah and really nigel great. owens will you know he'll be jizzing himself at bro what do they call him Bowanga. Bowanga, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like I think uh, that, that he'll want to see that flow. And because of that, New Zealand will probably be allowed to walk the line a bit more drug time, which England don't want, because England wants slow, ugly rocks. Yeah, they want slow, ugly rocks where they can feed Billy into a luggy and just try and smash their way through. Um, yeah. Which yeah is, is less likely to happen if I mean you know I think the All Blacks and the way Nigel Owens rests is going to happen. Yeah. So on, on that note, two very very quick predictions. So so uh, yeah, well yeah, because Adam didn't do it on his little very <laughs> very edited part, did he? Um, he, he skipped over Super Brew. Didn't want to make too many strong calls. I'm going to say SA by three. 
just... I think I expect a bit more. Um, but... I, I, I told like... you... I, I told you guys on the on the WhatsApp group about my dream. Yes. <laughs> so from 7-1, where I'm going to go? Well, maybe that'll be the final score. So... Um, <laughs> Previously, I know on the last, on a previous pod, I said I had a dream that France, Francois Lowe got a red card for a tip tackle. Okay, so fine, Francois Lowe, it wasn't Francois Lowe, it wasn't a red card, but there was a tip tackle. So I was, I was one, th my dream was one third correct. Can we agree on? Yeah, and I think that's it, precedent. So, and now, last night, I had another dream that we were 21-3 up against Wales. But obviously, um, but obviously, only a third can be correct. So, I presume we're going to be 7-1 up against Wales. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very fair description. Yeah. Or we're going to be 63-9 up at some stage. Oh, that seems unlikely. It does seem unlikely, but weirder things have happened from dreams to reality, so we shall see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th I think I think South Africa by about three to five is probably a fair description. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think we should win. Do you reckon it's, we'll have like a two-score lead and they'll score one at the end, or do you think we'll score an extra time to take it? For my own heart, I hope it's a two-score lead and they get a consolidation. Yeah, we do want you to make it to the final. Yeah. Um, yeah, then England, New Zealand? Sure, this is tough. Um, can we phrase this in a different way? Which game do you think is more likely to have an upset? Well, what's an upset? I don't think either way in South Africa, Wales is an upset. Oh, I think the bookies of us are slight favourites. And I think on, based on form, we should be slight favourites. But yeah, maybe it's pretty even. Um, but... Yeah, I think New England winning would definitely be an upset, despite them playing pretty well, given who's in front of them, but never really having to push themselves too hard to win. Like against Australia, it was kind of handed to them fairly easily. And even though Australia came back, you know, they scored immediately and then they were back in the driving seat. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle New Zealand. But I, I think New Zealand should win fairly comfortably. Um, I think New Zealand are in a very confident and dominant position at the moment, so I would say maybe about 15. Oof, that's big. Nah. Nah, I think less. I think that... I'm just, I'm just trying to think. Who's the, who's the occasion more likely to get to the English, obviously? Yeah, well, they're, they're the ones that are actually under... In a weird way, I feel like they're under more pressure. Because, like, the All Blacks kind of been here, done it, know what the story's about. Like, yes, they've got pressure to win, but I feel like they're confident enough to handle that pressure. Whereas New England are, this is their time, you know. They've been building to this for four years, type thing. Um, so, yeah, in a weird way, I feel like they actually have more pressure. More pressure and less experience of pressure. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah. No, um, I agree with New Zealand, but I don't. I don't think it's going to be 15. I think it'll be closer to. You reckon if um, New Zealand go up 
quickly, Farrell will lose his head and start shouting at people like he sometimes does. And then that'll just lead a full capitulation in England. Oof. Yeah, New Zealand scored two straight off the bat. Yeah, I think England might crumble in that situation. But then again, yeah. England are famous fast starters, so it could go the other way around. Um, sure, it's tough. <laughs> no, look, I mean, I think New Zealand are the favourites, and rightly so. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe 15's a bit excessive. Then again, none of us would have thought they were going to put win by 30 against Ireland, so... Yo, God, I had fucking, like, six or something on Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So, final call? Should we say England? Well, we, not, we don't have the Super Bowl, but let's say England by 13. Uh, New Zealand by 13, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll take 13. I think that's, that's fair. Just under two scores. I think we're getting a conversation try. <laughs> then South, South Africa by one. Yeah, so you can catch the margin both ways. <laughs> no, no, I do. I do think if one team gets above twenty points in the South Africa game, that that team will win. Yeah, look, Wales. I don't think they can score. Yeah, well, this is the thing. But I, I don't know if we can score above twenty points against a proper team either. That's a very good point. I mean, yeah, we've scored lots of tries, but they've all been against relatively weak teams, so. That's not saying too much. The last proper team we had to play, we only scored 13, which was New Zealand. And then before that, it was also New Zealand and 16. So, look, I mean, scoring tries is not our, our forte, let's be honest. But then again, the reason we're not scoring tries isn't because we're not creating opportunities. It's because Willy LaRue is either throwing passes into the floor or dropping them. So, like, if he can just catch and pass a ball <laughs> more than twice a game, then we'll, you know, get another two tries per game. Um, so... We can hope for that, I suppose, at the very least. Yeah, um, Col Colby injury? I don't know what the final word on that is. Um, if he's not injured, I say start him at fullback and bring in Corsi. If he is injured, rest him, bring in Corsi. Like, I don't think we lose too much um, with Corsi instead of Colby. So. I, I think we might gain a bit, like, not gain a bit um, on paper, but because. Preparing for Colby is very different to preparing for Nkosi, if you know what I mean. Yes. So, like, like I, I think I think we might actually... It might be a bit of a blessing in disguise, actually. Yeah, and we can keep Colby, you know, under wraps for the hopeful final. I mean, and look, Nkosi's a bloody good player in his own right. Like, the only reason Colby's starting is because he's just been unbelievable, whereas... Of course, he's just been really good. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's, it's not like we're replacing him with some nobody with no experience. Like he is a very good player. So I'm not I'm not too upset about that situation. Um, but yes, ideally we would like to get both of them on the park. I think I don't think we lose too enough of Billy's playmaking that we don't gain by having sorry in, uh, Colby. I think he can do enough of the same playmaking role that Billy can do, but with a lot more confidence under the high ball. So. Yeah, I mean that that would be my first choice, but I'm not I'm not against us going with with uh, in Corsi at 14 um, if Colby's not 100. percent I'd rather us back I'd rather back us to win and then keep Colby dry for the final. Yeah, we we're gonna need some magic from him in the final. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, on that note, I think we, we probably need to wrap up. Um, our relatively short time has <laughs> been overstood a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think the closing words is we don't need to be too upset about drawing glasses. I think the stats are skewed by a disproportionate amount of games against New Zealand, uh, which every team is going to struggle against. Um, and as long as we can kind of keep our noses clean at ruck time and hopefully stop the other opposition from being a bit sneaky, we should be okay. Um, but yeah, Ben, thank you very much for joining us and for being the stand-in for Phil. Um, yeah, I, I, I filled in for Phil. You did. <laughs> Yeah, so that brings to a close this episode of Stats, uh, Stat Attack. Uh, all the best for the rest of the week. And yeah, hopefully the books can take us to yet another final where we have a 100% winning record and finally stuff's in our favor. Um, yeah, cheers, guys. Good evening. <laughs>